Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 31. I am John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter at John Stolnes. We're still doing preview episodes here. And it is January 10th as we record this, which means the Eagle season just keeps moving along. And uh, we are now another level deep in the playoffs, someplace no one thought we would be at midseason. And joining me for this Eagle Saints divisional round playoff preview is the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever, Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. BLG, we have got another playoff game to preview here, my friend. How you feeling? John, why would you listen to any other Eagles <laughs> podcast when I don't you can just get the answers right here man I mean That's look right. I told you the Eagles were going to beat the Bears you called it. by one you called point it. and I said they were going to do it on a Cody Parkey last second missed field goal it happened I spoke it into existence again I don't know why you would be listening to any other Eagles podcast especially because we are the only Eagles podcast in the top 30 any iTunes store. Thanks to you, loyal listeners. Please keep rating, reviewing, subscribing. It's all awesome. So uh, very fun time to be talking about the Eagles. Still alive somehow. Still in the NFL playoffs. The divisional round against the Saints. So lots to talk about in this one and wouldn't rather be anywhere else. Yeah, we're going to break down this game. Me too, buddy. And we're going to break down this game from all angles coming up here in just a few minutes. Uh, we'll go over the all of the uh, divisional round playoff games, talk about our favorite games of the weekend and, uh, and make some picks as well. We'll give you our prediction for Eagles versus Saints. And, you know, when that double doink happened uh, on Sunday night, man, I thought of you right away because I, rem- I remembered. I remembered you called the Cody Parkey miss. And I guess technically speaking, it was a blocked field goal as opposed to a Parkey miss necessarily. If we're going to you know, split hairs a little bit here, I, you know, be able to say No, but that was, I mean, I still, I, rem- I was on my couch. I was watching it with my seven-year-old son who is huge into football, loves football. And so we we're watching it. And I went from elation with that Nick Foles go-ahead touchdown, and I want to talk about that in just a second, but going from elation to as soon as the Bears ran that kickoff back up past, what, like near the 40 or whatever it was, you just knew. It's like, oh, man, they're going to get in range, and then the Eagles' season is going to end the way so many games have ended this year on a a last-second loss, and and it ended up working out the Eagles' way, and I thought of you right away as soon as as it hit the crossbar and jumping up and down, throwing throwing my kid in the air. It was... That's what football's all about, man. Kind of celebrating that with, you know, as a dad celebrating that with your kid. That's what I'll remember uh, when I look back at that wild card game. Kind of uh, celebrating that with my son and getting all fired up and going crazy running around the house and being annoying to my wife and my other children. It was just great. Sounds great. Um, and to me, you know, just to kind of you know touch on last week. There was no doubt in my mind that that is exactly how that game was going to go. Like in the game, like once I saw Foles not playing all that great, you know, at least at times, certainly terrible yeah. interception into the end zone. And the one the Smallwood wasn't, I guess, all on him. But I think he deserves some kind of. I think blame. it was a lot on him. I watched that throw. It was it was not a good throw. Yeah, was, and he and, and and you know Smallwood was covered on that. Throw. Yeah, I mean it was not a good throw. I mean it's it's at least somewhat his fault. Anyway, you know, and yeah. look, he had he finished the game with what like a seventy seven point seven pass rating. So it certainly just was not an overall banner day, uh, all things considered. Now I was like texting people in various text threads like. I have no worries the Eagles are going to win this game. Like, Nick Foles is not going to play great for a good portion of the game, and then he's just going to come back on this total clutch drive at the end of the game, and the Eagles are going to win. Like, I just I knew it was going to happen. Like, so when it happened, I wasn't even, like, excited or, like, surprised. I was like, I totally expected that to happen. So <laughs> I'm not trying to say that to say, like, oh, I'm some, you know, clairvoyant genius. That's not the point of me saying it. I think that kind of <laughs> speaks to, like, where at least I am, and I think – 
a lot of people are with this team right now. Like we and just, the players, the yeah, players themselves. The players, like we just have faith in this team, and you know Nick Foles is a big part of that. But just the whole team as a whole, like we just know they're going to go out there and they're going to find a way to win because that's what they do. We've seen it now for four playoff games in a row. It's crazy how this team continues to do it. It really feels like there's something magical or there's some kind of just destiny element to that, whether you believe in that or not. But I mean, it just feels like that. And and heading into last week's game, that's what I kept talking about. It's just a feeling that I have that I I can't shake. And at this point, John, like how do you bet against this Eagles team? Like how do you do it? Like how yeah, can you? No, I don't know. I don't understand. Like going into last week's game, I was writing these articles on bleedinggreennation.com about like, the fan pulse results saying that, you know, the Eagles were they were given the least chance to win last week out of all the wildcard teams. And obviously they were the biggest underdogs in terms of the point spread too. And it's just like, are you guys not paying attention? Like they do this, this (laughs) continues to happen. Like everyone counts them out and then they win. I don't know how I, you could possibly pick against them. I know you might look at a matchup on paper and obviously that's what we're going to do further here on this preview show. But when I was going through my Eagles versus Saints matchups post, uh, on bleedinggreennation.com this week. I kind of wrote at the bottom. I was like, none of this really means anything to any of me. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I'm looking at all these numbers, and I'm like, I don't really think it matters a ton because you just look at this team, and they find a way to win. And I don't think it's all just fluky, although, uh, you know, as Evan Silva came on the podcast this week, and that was a great mm-hmm. pod if you haven't listened yeah, to great it already. Podcast. They are in these one-score games, and that's really not you know, over a, a long span of time, like you're not going to win all of those. It's just not how – it's a coin flip, basically. A lot of these games, you know, a, a ball bounces a certain way. You can't just sustain all of that. But I feel like the way they win in terms of what they can do and that they have a really great head coach and a really – a quarterback playing at a very high level and an offensive line that is arguably playing like the best in the league once again and a defensive unit that is at, at the very least they're competitive – they didn't force turnovers, unfortunately, in Chicago, but they had some opportunities to. And overall, they still played, you know, pretty darn well, all things considered. Yeah. So I just feel like that stuff you see there is the makings of another team that can go on a run. So that's where we're at with this team. It's very crazy that we're here when you when you really reflect and think back to the low points of this season. But it just feels like a different season at this point. It feels like last season, really, all over again. And that's just where I'm at mentally. Yeah, you have to look at this season as two different seasons, really. You have to look at this season, really starting starting from that uh, New Orleans game, uh, which you know we'll we'll just we'll touch on here in just a few minutes. But it's to, from that point on, this this really was a different game. They started going to twelve personnel more. They started uh, working on quicker releases, even when Carson Wentz was in there before uh, the Dallas game, when when Wentz's season ended, and with Nick Foles in there, it's 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 increased even more how they've changed the offense and the defense. I, the, we said it before too. The, the secondary just has gotten more reps. They've gotten more time out there, and Craven LeBlanc has turned into a valuable piece. And you know, Rasul Douglas has played well. Avante Maddox has played well. Malcolm Jenkins has continued to be the rock back there and stabilize that secondary, which was one of the major reasons why they were having so many problems. And on that podcast, you mentioned that Evan, Evan Silva was on with Kiston Solak. He was talking about how earlier in the season they were losing all of these one-possession games and then how the Eagles were regressing to the mean by winning all of these one-possession games towards the end of the season. It's not a regression to the mean. It's a progression to the mean. You know, I mean, it's like the, the things went so poorly for them luck-wise earlier in the season. They're starting to see a little bit of that bounce back, and it's kind of evened out. And I hate to always bring it back to baseball because, as you know, I'm a, I'm a baseball guy as well as a football guy. But this this run reminds me of that 2009 Phillies run in the playoffs when it just seemed like they couldn't be beat. You know, you come back at the end of that uh, Colorado Rockies game in the National League Division Series when it looked like they were going to lose and they, they, they come back to win it. And Jimmy Rollins walk off hit in the National League Championship Series, that electric hit, you know, up into the right center field gap that uh, brought them back with that huge uh, comeback win in game four of the NLCS it just kind of felt like at that point that team just couldn't lose like they were just they were full of winners there was there was nothing that was going to stop them and that's the way this Eagles team feels right now it's like with Nick Foles leading the way right now and and the way the offensive line is playing and as dialed in as Doug Peterson seems to be calling plays and Jim Schwartz is doing an amazing job as a defensive coordinator with a depleted unit you're right it doesn't feel like this team can lose no matter what the odds are. I mean, we, look look at what's happened already. They've already beaten the Rams. 
a team that they had no business beating, and then beating um, a Texans team that had probably is has bit more talent than they do, and then going into Chicago last week and beating a very talented Bears team. And they're they're not doing it fluky. They're not doing it with four turnovers and special teams touchdowns. You know, they're doing it like we've been talking about: solid offensive line, solid defensive play, and great quarterback play. And so, you, I agree with you. I think you have to feel good going into this game on Sunday. Another big reason why. I feel like the Eagles almost just can't lose in this game is and it's probably, you know, there's some wishful thinking involved, but I just feel like the way this has been set up in the sense of, you know, why were the Saints taking shots at the Eagles after a week 16 game in which they had just beaten the Steelers and, you know, the Eagles had beaten uh, the Texans and weren't even necessarily, you know, guaranteed for the playoffs at that point. It just felt weird to me. I was like, I just feel like the Eagles are probably going to play the Saints again. It just feels like it feels like it. It's like, why would they just take shots like that? It's, it feels like that's potentially going to manifest at some point later. Now, just looking back and thinking about a lot of those things, like how in the offseason, Alvin Kamara said the Saints would have, quote unquote, beaten the shit out of the Eagles if they had gone <laughs> to the NFC Championship game, which yep. is such a lame thing to say because it's like you didn't, okay, but you didn't even make it there, bro. Like that's so easy for you to say <laughs> considering. Make a stop. Yeah, yeah, like come on. And so there was that. There was the whole ski mask thing, calling the Eagles frauds with that, which I thought was pretty aggressive. There was obviously the running up the score, which I don't really, again, I don't really have a problem with the Saints running up the score. Uh, and Doug Peterson and some others have said they don't feel like that happened. I mean, if you, if you don't want them to run up the score, stop them. But, right. I mean, players clearly f- felt that way. Like Jason Peters had said something about that, and so had Malcolm Jenkins. And you saw the look on Brandon Graham's face when they were in the locker room after the game, and Doug was like, I don't even need to tell you guys who we play next. And everyone, like, lit up because they were like, yeah, like, they're hungry. They're hungry to get this opportunity to go back down there and prove that, you know, hey – that 48 to 7 game, that's not who we are. We're going to come in and we're going to be better than that. Uh, so I just think they, they kind of have that working in their favor. And then something I didn't even think of in the piece I wrote for BGN was the whole the Saints beat the Eagles. And there was that whole Peter King article about how, you know, like the, the it was just gushing about the Saints. It was almost oh, like. Yeah. They, he spent the week with them. He spent yeah. the week with Sean Payton and Drew Brees and all that. Yeah, nonsense. it was like, yeah. you know, we're going to go after Carson Wentz and Sidney Jones and all this stuff. It just felt like so, you know, premeditated, which, okay, you know, we all had a good feeling the Saints were going to beat the Eagles in that game. But it kind of felt a little gross, I guess, looking back in that way. It's just <laughs> like, okay, you know, they really were just, they, they really pretty much thought they had no chance of losing. Like, is that story really coming out? You know, with Peter King and the next day if they yeah. lose, like I don't really think that's a lot of great content at that point. So I just feel like all of that could kind of come back to bite them in some ways. Like, look, this Eagles team doesn't need extra motivation. Uh, they already know what's at stake having been there last year. But when you add in the underdog factor, as they are underdogs once again, eight points, and you add in this revenge factor, I just feel like, you know, when you, you talk, we're talking about destiny here and like the feeling of it. I just almost feel, and then the whole Sean Payton thing this week where he brings out like the cash and the Lombardi trophy. Oh, that was ridiculous. Which is just like, okay, dude, this isn't the first time you paid players to uh, motivate them. Uh, last time, not so legally. So <laughs> that's uh, right. I, I just think that, again, maybe I'm just being naive. Maybe I'm, I'm kind of being fan fiction, wishful thinking guy i almost just feel like there's a karma there to that and and look if the eagles do win this game oh my gosh the saints are gonna look like such idiots and like they're gonna have to eat all that crow if they lose so i i just like i like that angle a lot i do too man and you know the eagles aren't getting any respect right now and and they're for obvious reasons i mean if if we took ourselves out of this you know and and looked at this game objectively and we were looking at this as if we had no emotional connection to the Eagles whatsoever, we would be looking at how the Saints beat the Eagles 48-7 to just a few weeks ago, and we would probably assess the Eagles' chances of being slim to none. Because, you know, if you're if you're someone who lives in Phoenix or whatever and you don't have any connection to this team, you know what you've seen. I mean, Nick Foles has been one of the main storylines, if not the main storyline of, of, of this week, given how he played at the end of the wildcard game. But and, and everything he did last year. But you would look at the cold, hard facts and you would say the Eagles really don't have much of a chance here. But you can't you can't look at this game that way. You can't look at this team that way. And we know that football is an emotional game. And one of the things that I think will be interesting here was uh, the fact that the Saints 
kind of took their foot off the pedal in you know towards the end of the season and and didn't play most of their guys in in that week 17 game and something I wanted to mention was I saw uh, in the Philly Voice Jimmy Kemsky wrote this week that the last 10 number one seeds who rested their starters in week 17 are a combined four and six since 2007. Meanwhile, teams with the one seed that played their starters in Week 17 had a combined 10-2 and record in their first playoff game. Of course, the 2009 Saints were one of the teams that rested all their guys in, in Week 17 and won the Super Bowl. So, I mean, a lot of these guys, I mean, not all of these guys, probably very few of these guys were a part of that team, but uh, Drew Brees and Sean Payton were, for sure. And, you know, there's just... There's a little bit that you can look at here and say, this is a different Eagles team than than went into New Orleans last time around. You have to break the season down into different portions of them. You can't look at what the Eagles did in week weeks one through six and say that still applies to this team because it doesn't. It's It's got different players. You've got different schemes. And, you know, this team is riding an emotional crest right now that I don't think can be discounted. Yeah, and when you look at tangible differences, if we just want to go through like what's what's different, I mean, you have Darren Sproles back in this game. That's good. Josh Adams isn't you know here yeah. lead back yeah. anymore. Um, Sidney Jones, we don't. We'll get into that a little bit more at the injury report, but it looks yeah. like he might not be starting, and he was clearly a weak point in that game, and they wanted oh, to go brutal. after him, and he was playing injured at that point. Um, Cravon LeBlanc was only in his real uh his first it was really his first real game because he didn't really play much yeah. in the Cowboys game uh which is technically his first game but you know his first real action and he was only forced into that lineup really because there were so many injuries in that game and that's another thing I wanted to go back to just you know we're talking about the differences you know heading into that game I mean in that game so many players got hurt Jason Kelsey got hurt I didn't remember that I was like oh, oh that's like, right like so that's a big deal <laughs> you know for him going yeah. out uh, and that was that that actually manifested in huge in a big way against the Eagles because there was that third down at one point where they were down seventeen to seven I believe it was and they were around like midfield and it was third and three or so and Wentz has a guy open but Wiz just lets him get sacked basically immediately because he's in at center I mean Kelsey's not letting that happen so like yeah. you're gonna have Kelsey here uh, the whole secondary basically got hurt like everyone was dropping like flies Maddox got hurt. Um, like guys were dropping like flies in that game. You know, they had to put out Bosby and I think Sandon Sullivan were out there. So like, you know, there's a lot of different changes and LeBlanc going back to him real quick. He's had more time in the scheme. Now he's been able to communicate with these guys and you've seen how the secondary has settled in. Golden Tate has obviously been with the team more and, you know, he has more experience with the offense. So, um, there's a lot of, and Timmy Jernigan is back now, which I think yeah. is significant having that interior pass rush. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. that's great. Give me that again. There's a bunch of uh, um, Mike Wallace might be able to play. I don't know still yet. We'll see. Um, so that's something to look at. Dallas Goddard was on the roster before, but he wasn't being used as often as the Eagles 12 personnel is now. And yeah. you know, Benjamin Solak broke that down really good in Bleeding Green Nation a couple weeks ago. And that's that's huge because that really changed the offense. And that's been their most efficient package. So to have that more is great. You have Avante Maddox. He started in that Saints game safety. But now he's been playing at corner, and he's been playing pretty well there. Maddox actually ranks number one overall in coverage snaps or yards allowed per coverage snap by Pro Football Focus. You know, take it for what it's worth. But you know, there's we've certainly seen him be impressive. He struggled also at times against the Bears last week. You know, that's a different dynamic to the team. Um, so there's a lot of differences here, and it is not quite the same team. And you just look at how the Saints have ended the season; they have not ended the season all that well as you kind of alluded to earlier, Drew Brees in December, 88.2 passer rating. Not so great. Now, the thing there is that, you know, some of these games were on the road, but that's that's something to, if you want to feel good about something, you look at that. Now, if you want to feel bad at something, just go look at Drew Brees' home (laughs) splits where he is throwing 21 (laughs) touchdowns and one interception at home for a a very, very good passer rating. And um, also, I was looking back at his just his playoff history at home in the Superdome, and he is he's completed sixty seven point eight percent of his passes for a thousand five hundred twenty nine yards, which is a whopping eight point nine average. That's a lot. Wow. Twelve yeah. touchdowns, one <laughs> interception, and a one one sixteen point eight passer rating. So, I mean, that's just huge. The turnovers there are really the biggest thing because I just feel like if the Eagles are going to win this game. They have to force the Saints to turn the ball over. Like they need extra possessions to score on. Yeah. I don't think short fields. Yeah, short fields. Just taking away scoring opportunities for the Saints because 
this isn't going to be the Bears game. Like, this is going to be a game where the Saints are going to move the ball a lot. If they do that, it's not even like the Eagles are playing terrible defense. It's just that's who the Saints are. Like, they're going to be able to do that, uh, or at least you expect that for a good portion of the game. So, you're not – it's like the Super Bowl almost, I think. You're not going to just be able to count on getting stops, and the Eagles couldn't in that game. The Eagles literally did not force the Patriots to punt once in that game. They needed turnovers. Uh, they needed a lot of like some things to go their way in terms of you know missed kicks uh, or extra points. Also, getting creative, you know they mm-hmm. obviously the Philly special and just all the ways the kind of you know the Eagles mixed a lot of creativity in that game. I think that that's this kind of game once again. You, you need some turnovers. You need to break out some of your trick plays in this one, Doug. You need to go for an onside kick at some point. A surprise onside kick would be great. Maybe to start the game, maybe it's a little too predictable, but maybe, you know, after your first touchdown or something, like you need that jolt or multiple jolts in this game. And that's looking back to the last game. That's something that we were very critical of Doug Peterson because he wasn't going for it on fourth down. And yeah. I get that yeah. they were in their own territory deep, but like that doesn't matter to me. Like you need to find an edge to beat the Saints team because guess what? They are better than you. And you cannot, like you, if, you can't just not bring your A game. Like you have to bring your A game to this game, because the Saints are probably going to bring theirs, and theirs is better than yours if they're firing on all cylinders. So that's what this game has to be. The Eagles kind of have to like find these edges and make these edges for themselves to compare it to baseball. I guess you could say, kind of manufacture runs if yeah. if that works. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's what they need to do in this game. They need to be aggressive. They can't be scared against this team, and that's. Talking about destiny and the vibe and the feeling around this team, that's what they are right now to me in my mind. They're fearless, just like the name of Doug Peterson's book once again. They're a fearless team, and they need to play like that to beat the Saints. Yeah, I remember writing something for Bleeding Green uh, shortly after the Saints game about the the fact that Doug had not been fearless uh, up to the, up to that point in the season, and multiple times in the Saints game that he had turned aside opportunities to to go for it and to really push the hammer down and. You know, I think that um, you, you kind of get lost in the moment sometimes and you have to remember who you are and, and you know, what got you there. And this is a th- you're right. This is a throw the kitchen sink at this football team type of game. And, um, you know, we'll see if the Eagles end up doing some stuff like that. We'll get into some individual matchups here in just a second. First, let's go over the injury report uh, on Thursday. The only two people who did not practice are Carson Wentz, obviously, with the back and uh, uh, Michael Bennett with the foot. But Michael Bennett hasn't been practicing at all over these last few weeks. He'll be fine. Um, limited in practice, uh, Alexander with a hamstring, uh, wide receiver Alshon Jeffrey with the ribs, uh, cornerback Sidney Jones with his hamstring, uh, Jason Peters with his quadricep, Golden Tate with a knee, and Mike Wallace with his ankle. Um, but uh, I guess the big question here is, I'm not as I'm not as focused on Mike Wallace. I think having Wallace would just kind of add noise at this point. I think you've got enough wide receivers that you don't really you don't really need that wrinkle unless he's healthy enough to just run a sprint a couple of times during the course of a game. But I, I think the guy that we are keeping an, keeping an eye on more than anybody else is, is Sidney Jones. And he was a guy, he had, you mentioned it a second ago, was brutal in the last game. I mean, the, the opening Mark Ingram run that went for 30-some-odd yards was totally on Sidney Jones. And they picked on him all day. And granted, he was probably hobbling. He was probably hurting that day. And you know, he has missed a lot of time this year. Uh, to me, this seems like a game where you can use Sidney Jones if he's healthy BLG, but you don't want him to really play a major part of what's going on out there. If he was healthy, like, where do you think the Eagles put him? Like, that's, I, that's, I think, an interesting question. I mean, I guess I, I understand the argument for putting him outside because he's faster than Russell Douglas, but I just don't trust him. I don't yeah. trust him at all right now. And especially, I don't think he's healthy. You know what I mean? Like, he might be healthy enough to suit up. And I think I'd be fine with that, but more so as, like, an emergency kind of deal. Just so that, you know, like, so so here's the look at, here's um, the outlook. If, like, Avante Maddox, Rasul Douglas potentially got hurt in the game. Josh Hawkins would be in at cornerback. We talked about that last week. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, right. Yeah. I, I think I might rather have less than 100% Sidney Jones than Josh Hawkins, who is a total unknown to me so yeah if you're gonna yeah. keep sydney you know active as kind of emergency backup i think i'm kind of fine with that but yeah i mean how could you put him in the starting lineup right now i just you know, Rizul's playing well uh maddox has his issues you know in terms of you know, biting the cheese a little bit too much as he did yeah he got a, he he was he was uh he uh had the spirit of jalen mills in him on very in much chicago so. look i mean <laughs> but like you know solak talked about this too in the review show 
you have to live with that because if if mm-hmm. like if you're okay with him almost making that pick like he did, which would have been a right. huge play in that game, right. he's also going to get beat. Like it's just right. that's what it kind of it comes with. You know, there's give and take there. Um, and if he had made that pick, you know, then all of a sudden those plays he gave up don't, you know, they're kind of offsets or at least you, know, you, you would hope kind of come out ahead in that overall over the long course of things. So, yeah, I think it's going to be Maddox on the outside once again uh, and Douglas too and then LeBlanc in the slot. I mean, they're not replacing him. I mean, Jim Swartz is out here saying like that he kind of saved the season. Like that's crazy. And yeah. and Jim Swartz didn't even know who this guy was, <laughs> you know, yeah. heading into yeah. – uh, when they got him. So that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. When I look at the injury report, um, you know, mostly good news, you know, Bennett's definitely going to play. Um, you know, we've seen this for about over a month now where he just doesn't practice. Then he ends up playing. Um, and then all the other guys will see Alexander's and would be great to get him back for special teams. Um, we'll see how it goes with, uh, Oh, Peter should be fine. I'm guessing, you know, Jeffrey and Tate should be fine. I'll, I'll disagree a little bit with Mike Wallace. And here's why, because, Jordan Matthews right now to, you know, and, and to, to his credit, he drew a big 33-yard pass interference penalty against the Bears. So I'm not trying to take anything away from J-Matt. And I think probably a little too harsh on J-Matt when he came back just because I guess I had the fear of J-Matt, the volume target, like the massive volume target. I don't want that right. guy. J-Matt, yeah. the role player, I'm totally fine with that guy. As your wide receiver four, wide receiver five, that's fine. Still, though, Jordan Matthews is playing – a little bit, not a, a huge package. He had 11 snaps against the Bears. So if you could kind of put Mike Wallace in there for a couple of those instead of him, I think there's some value to that because, you know, Foles likes to check a deep. Maybe they connect on a deep pass. Maybe they draw pass interference at some point. Um, I just think it could be worth a wrinkle. And while it's unclear if Wallace is going to play or not, I imagine he might be ruled questionable on the final injury report on Friday. We'll see. I thought it was interesting that the Eagles tweeted about him today. Like They tweeted a video of Foles throwing to Wallace, and I'm pretty sure that's the first time they've kind of acknowledged Wallace since he came back to practice a couple of weeks ago. So I think that might have been a little bit of a hint that he could be back. And, yeah, he's not going to have some major role, as we right. always talk about. The Eagles ease these guys back into things. But I don't know. I, I'm fine with giving him like a very small package of plays just to see you know, what can happen with it. Well, let's move on here to the matchups, uh, BLG. Well, first of all, any uh, talk about injuries. Let's uh, we, we talk about the Eagles injury report, but we kind of gloss over the the Saints yeah, injury report. Important. And right now, they've got a lot of issues on their offensive line, and uh, it's a real question: who's going to be ready to go for them on Sunday afternoon? Yeah, I mean, all fo- also basically everyone who isn't their center, Max Unger, is on the injury report and has been limited mm-hmm. these past two days. They've all had various issues. Even if they all play, I mean, it, it seems pretty clear that they're not going to be at 100%. And not just like one guy at 100%, like almost the entire offensive line, not at 100%. So that could be a huge break in the Eagles' favor. Um, I think their interior is already a little bit weak anyway with Pete and Warford in there. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that's a like, – and if add it into the fact that those guys might be banged up, I mean, that would be great to get some interior pressure on Breeze because, as we know, Drew Breeze gets the ball out fast. He ranks fifth overall in terms of getting out the ball with the quickest release time. So that's kind of an issue, especially going up against an Eagles defense that thrives, you know, and getting pressure with this front four. If the Saints are getting rid of the ball quick and they're not really giving the Eagles a chance to get there, and it kind of just sucks. It's like, what do you do? You know, you're, they're just they're kind of just negating your biggest strength at that point. So um, you're hoping that the Eagles will be able to generate pressure at some point and you know, talking, kind of phasing this in with what I said earlier, like, don't give me sacks. Give me strip sacks. Like, <laughs> get yeah. to, yeah, get to right. Drew Brees and knock that ball out of his hand and get the freaking ball. Like, that's what you need, again, to win this game. You're not going to just win this game by hitting him and sacking him. Like, no, you need to get a big play where you strip sack him and it come, it just creates a huge, you know, positive play for the Eagles. So that's definitely uh, something to keep an eye on as they release their final injury report. On Friday, it's it's better sign for them overall that these guys actually have a shot to play because you know heading down the stretch, you know they were just, they were missing some of these guys straight up, and that was hurting them. And when you we talk about how Drew Brees didn't have the best December and the Saints offense as a whole didn't have you know a great uh, finish to the season, only averaging twenty point five points in their last four real games. I'm not counting the week 17 game where they rested their starters. I mean, that's right. part of why, just because mm-hmm. their offensive line wasn't functional 
and healthy. So um, that would be a big break. And again, one of the biggest differences if the Eagles, you know, went since the Eagles last played this team, because when they played in week 11, uh, Toronto Armstead did not play. So that was the same, but they still had all these other guys in the lineup there. So it'd be a big, big difference and a big thing in the Eagles' favor if this offensive line is truly banged up. Well, the Superdome is a huge advantage for New Orleans huge. as we look ahead to the matchups here. They are 6-0 and in their last six playoff home games. Uh, the, the last time the Saints lost a playoff home game was to the <laughs> Philadelphia Eagles back in January of 1993 when Rich Kotite's Eagles beat them 36-20. to And I, uh, I did a whole big uh, retrospective of that game for the, uh, the BGN Memories podcast uh, that came out earlier on Thursday. So check that out if you haven't yet. Um, but uh, it is it is insanely hard to beat this team in New Orleans. The Eagles tried in 2006 and weren't able to do it. Um, Carl Sheffer is the head referee for Sunday's game. The Eagles are 5-7 and seven in 12 games officiated by him, including their loss to the Saints in Week 11, and the Saints are 11-1 in twelve games officiated by Sheffers. I always read these uh, these referee records, BLG, and I have I really don't have any idea if they actually are indicative of anything, but they are kind of fun. Um, I yeah. you know it's just it's it's for kicks and giggles, I suppose. Um, Football Outsiders has the Saints ranked fourth overall in offensive DVOA, weighted DVOA, which accounts for recent performance, has the Saints ranked a little lower at seventh overall. They're third in passing DVOA and eighth in rushing DVOA. And looking at their defense, uh, defensively they rank 11th overall. Their vulnerability is their pass defense, which ranks 22nd. However, they're very good against the run, ranking third. So BLG, looking at some of those numbers, it would seem to me that you know, once again, this is a team that you have to attack through the air. Um, so I wonder how committed uh, Andy Reid. <laughs> so he's saying how committed Andy Reid is to the run game. I think we said that for the better part of almost uh, two decades. How committed Doug Peterson is to the run on Sunday? Hopefully, not much at all. Um, don't unless it's really just working, which don't really project that to happen, just because the Saints have a tough front and their linebackers are good and can kind of fly around there. Um, I would hope not. I would hope not to see a lot of running in this game unless, of course, they're up somehow and looking to salt the clock. But I, I just think this is going to have to be a game where you need Nick Foles to be a lot better than he was against the Bears. And now, in fairness, he's going to be facing a defense that's a lot less tough than the Bears' defense. So he has that going for him. But he needs to have like a, like elite Foles game, not just average Foles. I don't think that's good enough. I think if he's just average, like I don't, I, I don't see how you win with that unless the defense just has some kind of, you know, mind-blowing performance. I think he needs to be, again, I just keep coming back to, it has to almost be like the Super Bowl game. He has to be that good. He has to be mm-hmm. just almost flawless in that way and coming up with huge plays all game long because that's just how I, I see it. With you know, The Saints are going to score a lot of points. They're going to move the ball a lot. You have to match that scoring. So I think Foles needs to have that kind of game, and I think he can because I think you look at some of these pieces in the Saints secondary – and they're vulnerable. Eli Apple is terrible to me. And yeah. you know when I knew Eli Apple was bad, John, is when it was the 2016 season and it was week 16 and Nelson Aguilar, who was having an awful season that year, as we all remember, he got benched mm-hmm. literally at oh, one yeah. point. And he's since improved. But again, very awful that year. He burned Eli Apple for a touchdown. And I was like, <laughs> as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, good play by Nelson. But I was also like, I think Eli Apple might not be any good. And sure enough, <laughs> we saw that in future Eagles-Giants games. And I remember this year watching the Saints and Cowboys play and obviously rooting like hell for the Saints to win that game. And Apple was just giving up stuff all game long. And it was so frustrating. So I think Apple's a guy to attack. Uh, Evan Silva had mentioned P.J. Williams. That's another good one in the slot there, especially since he's kind of a bigger guy. I'm kind of interested mm-hmm. to see, you know, with either Tate or Aguilar in there, how they can kind of use some of their shiftiness to kind of uh, hopefully make some mismatches there. Interested to see how that one plays out. I can see Alshon having another big game just because he's been so huge in the playoffs. Like I don't, I don't even care who's against Alshon. It doesn't matter. Well, and like, he he has such a good connection with Foles. Foles does. and Alshon are just they're a magical connection together. They they definitely have that going on. And just Alshon in the playoffs has been fantastic over these past two years. He's just. He's playing at a very high level. He's hard to stop. I mean, if you're giving him, you know, one of those faith throws, you almost can't defend it. Like, he's just going to make the play. He's going to go up there. He's going to jump up and use his size and his physicality and his strong hands to go make that play. So, I think, you know, we're going to see some more of that. I think we're going to see Aguilar continue to be involved. 
be nice to see Golden Tate continue to make some plays in this offense. I think uh, the Eagles are going to have the opportunities here. And with the offensive line just playing as well as they are. And look, I know Nick Foles getting rid of the ball quickly, like fastest in the league over this, this stretch here, uh, is certainly helping a lot. But still, I mean, come on. Like the offensive line is taking these guys out of games like Khalil Mack and Aaron Donald and J.J. Watt and even Ryan Kerrigan. Like they're not allowing them. Like there's times where Foles isn't getting the ball out super quick. When you look back at some of these throws he's making, and he has a completely, you know, perfect pocket to work with. And I'm not trying to say that to disparage Nick. I'm just saying like I am seeing a really improved offensive line from where they were at at times earlier this year. So I just think that's something they continue to have going for them, and they should be able to throw on this defense. Please do not be like the Seahawks against the Cowboys and commit to the <laughs> run when it's not working for some reason. Uh, the, the, the Eagles were kind of a little guilty of that against the Bears last week. I was going to say, yeah, I think not so. Not as bad. I don't think not as bad as the Seahawks were against Dallas. But So that was kind of something that I hopefully you know, we're not going to see as much here. But I, I do think they're, you know, it's going to be a pass-heavy game. It's going to have to be. You think it's uh, a lot of 12 personnel? Because I know uh, against Chicago, they wanted to take advantage of some matchups and ran a lot of 11, which yeah. got away from what really worked for them towards the end of the season here. But uh, getting Ertz and Goddard on the field, and we've seen how good a run blocker Goddard is as well as a, as some of the pass-catching plays that he's made also. It's just kind of curious with the, with the impact Golden Tate had uh, at the end of the game last week. wonder how much they're going to balance between going three wide and uh, two tight end. Yeah, it's a good question. The Eagles didn't really, if I remember correctly, they didn't really use the 12 personnel a ton against the Saints back in week 11. So maybe that's something, you know, they just didn't like the matchup. Uh, maybe that's something they feel like they want to fix. Uh, it was their second lowest of all season, actually, uh, their mm. 12 personnel. And But that was, again, that was a couple weeks after the Tate trade. So maybe that was kind of just uh, them, you know, like kind of forcing 11 more than Well, they, they were trying to force feed him for a little yes. while there, yeah. So yeah. I don't know if that's part of it. But I look back at the numbers from Ertz and Goddard in that game, and they're probably lower than you would think they are. Ertz had two receptions for 15 yards, which is not very good for Zach Ertz. Not good. And Dallas Goddard had three targets, but he had zero receptions. I think um, Carson overthrew him a couple times, if I remember correctly, in that game. Um, but still, I mean, zero reception. So the tight ends were not really a factor at all in that first matchup. Maybe the Eagles kind of look to correct that and get them a little bit more involved uh, than they were last time. And why not? I mean, Dallas Goddard is a beast, man. You saw that mm-hmm. freaking uh, catch and run. I mean, I just love yeah. that. Like, with all yeah. due respect to Zach Ertz, like, he cannot do that. I mean, Dallas Goddard, yeah. not many tight ends can do that, in fact. But Dallas Goddard can. And that is awesome to see. So hopefully, you know, we are going to get some usage out of him. But just like I said, kind of there with, you know, getting PJ Williams and Eli Apple, like getting them, you know, mismatched here with some of these receivers. I don't think you totally go away from 11. Maybe it's kind of just more of a split in this game and or, or kind of just feed the hot personnel as feed the hot hand. Like, you know, if you're if it's working, like stick with it. Keep keep going to it. So right. uh, I will be interested to see. I think it's a very good point just because the tight ends were such a non-factor last time if they can make a difference this time around. Going uh, on the other side of the ball, flipping the script here a little bit, um, we look at Drew Brees. He's a Hall of Famer. We know the success he's had in the playoffs. You read the numbers just a, a few minutes ago. But uh, if you want to contain the Saints, you really need to contain the ground game. And and the Saints want to run the ball. That's their M.O. They they want to get they want to get Drew Brees under center, and they want to hand the ball off to their two stud running backs, Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara. And, and in the first game of the season, Ingram ran all over the Eagles, 16 carries for 103 yards, 6.4 average, two touchdowns. Kamara had 13 carries for 71 yards and also had a reception for a 37-yard touchdown. Um, since then, the Eagles' run defense has gotten a little bit better, um, just allowing 57.5 rushing yards a game in the last four games. But uh, they're going to need to do a much better job against these two runners because really this is the, the running game got the Saints. It gets them where they want to go uh, when you when you can – when Drew Brees can start using the play-action pass and, and going down the field, that's when the Saints know they have you. So if you can get them in second and long and third and long, now you've given yourself a chance to maybe not stop Drew Brees, but contain him a little bit so that you give yourself a chance to get off the field on third down and keep the score, I don't know, in the 30s at least. Yeah, if you're the Saints, or I mean, if you're the Eagles, anytime 
the Saints do run the ball to me is almost like a gift. Like take it out of Drew Brees' hands. Like give them, give it to Ingram and Kamara, and hopefully you can shut them down. Obviously, and not have them go off like they did last time. Twenty nine carries total for one hundred and seventy four yards, two touchdowns, and obviously they they started off things in that game with a thirty eight yard run. Like you talked about Sidney Jones, they kind of just set the tone early with that. So yeah, I mean they're gonna have to find a way. To, to be much better against the run, and I think they will. Like you t- we talked about here, they've been better. They've been more stout. I mean, just look what they did in Chicago last week. They didn't let anything go- get going against them uh, with either Howard or Cohen. So that was a positive sign, and I think um, just having Jernigan back, uh, getting Nada healthier than he was, Trayvon Hester randomly being a hero, all of a sudden, you know, the, the defensive yeah, right. <laughs> line there is kind of playing stout against the run, and I feel good about that overall. Um, so to me, you know, the, the, the bigger concern just has to be breeze. It's just been so dominant. And when you look back to that, that first game, I mean, he, like he was just perfect. <laughs> like, every was. throw was. was like amazing. And per- it's like, we can't do it. Like, I don't know what the Eagles are supposed to do differently. Basically. Like it's just, he's, he's having an amazing game and you, you pretty much just can't do anything about it, which sucks. Um, but that he's a hall of famer for a reason. It's just kind of the, the deal with him. So that's going to be tough. If he's just on, it's like, you can't really, there's not a ton you can do about it. Like you can't really stop him. Um, I mean, I guess I guess the thing to do is is try and take away his first read and and make him hold the ball for an extra second and hope your pass rush gets there. I mean, that, that's hope. about the only thing you can do, right? But they're gonna, you know, the thing with that is just like the Saints are gonna find ways to be creative. You know, like Sean Payton's gonna yeah. find ways to, you know, like to counter with that. Basically, I just don't think if if I, I think if uh, Breeze is on, you just have to outscore him. Like that's what it comes down to. You're like, well, we're not gonna you know, we're not gonna be able to stop him. We just kind of need, again, like maybe someone gets lucky and gets in there and strips after him. Or maybe, you know, he throws a ball and it's a little bit behind a receiver at some point, although I doubt it, given how accurate he is. But, you know, yeah. like maybe there's a tip ball somewhere. Like you have to make that interception. You just you have to, to capitalize on the breaks that you get. And that's something we didn't see last week and something we need to see this week against the Saints is like Trey Sullivan – Dude, if you have an interception, you cannot Uh, drop that. And Maddox, it was a tougher play. I can't kill him for that. You know, he was like diving and making an incredible interception. But he has to come up with that. Uh, Those are the plays that they need to make in this game. And they can't be, you know, committing stupid penalties like they did last week where, you know, Michael Bennett is punching (laughs) Kyle Long in the face Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Dude, what are you doing to extend a drive on third down? You can't do that, especially against this team. So, and maybe, hopefully... You would uh, hope that they got those mistakes out of the way in that Bears game. And the, and Doug is kind of like, hey, these are exactly the things we cannot do against the Saints mm-hmm. and expect to win. So that's the hope there. Um, but, yeah, it's just kind of a, a game, I think, where I just think this Saints offense, like, you're not going to be able to contain them. I just – at least the way, you know, like you look at uh, the Cowboys did – uh, and, and the way they kind of just well, struggled at the end of the Let's season. talk about that. Like, how did the Cowboys bottle up the Saints? Well, because, being yeah, a, I mean, that, having them on the road is, I think, pretty significant. Very true. Like, I think very that, true. that alone, like, I just, I think that doesn't explain everything, but I do think it explains part, part of it. And I have a, a deeper theory on the Cowboys that we can get to more when we talk about our picks at the end of the show. But, um, ah, okay. Uh, yeah, I just, I don't think they're going to be able to bottle them up. I just, I don't. And look, that was a week, what, 13 game. Like the Saints didn't really need to win that. Like they're not going all out for that. Right. And we, uh, we talked about it. Like they were kind of due for a letdown game. At some a point. letdown game. Yep. Losing exactly. focus. They're not going to lose focus at home, you know, playing for the <laughs> NFC championship game against a team that they felt like they could have beaten and gone to the Super Bowl instead of them last year. So I just, you know, I, I can't look at those games and be like, oh yeah, the Eagles are going to have that kind of performance. Just hope uh, you hope a little overconfidence kind of sneaks in yes, with the way that please. they beat the Eagles earlier in the season. That's about the only thing you can root for there. Um, one last thing was the Eagles were just killed by Traquan Smith uh, last week. Uh, t- uh, pardon me, not last week, but in the last game. Yeah. Ten catches for 157 yards and a touchdown. They were also burned by the tight end a bunch in that in that game. And, you know, they, they held Michael Thomas relatively in check, although he did catch four balls for 92 yards and a touchdown. <laughs> but, you know, that's in check when you're yeah. d- talking about <laughs> Michael yeah. Thomas. Um, but, you know, with this with this Saints offense, you know, it's just you're right. It's it's pick your poison and hope you get to Drew Brees before 
he's able to he's able to pick you apart. And I guess that's the main thing here. And I think that's where this game is going to be decided. How healthy is New Orleans offensive line going to be? And how effective is the Eagles defensive front going to be able to be against whoever happens to be standing there? Because if if they can get Breeze off his spot, they've got a chance. But you're right. If they if they can't stop the run and they can't get Breeze off his spot, man, it's just you've got to then you've just got to keep up with him and you've yep. got to hope, like you said, great Nick Foles shows up and that they they get a little something from the running game too, just occasionally to spell to to spell things. But it's uh it's definitely it's definitely a tall task. And so um you know, we'll give our picks on this game coming up here in just a few minutes. Final thing, um, we don't often talk about the special teams, BLG, but I think I felt like we should bring it up this week because special teams played a huge role, obviously, in last week's win over the Bears with Cody Parkey, a, a, a guy who we knew coming into the game was struggling as kicker for the Bears this year, and it turned up in the worst moment for Chicago. Real, I mean, just that loss. I can't imagine being a Bears fan with that loss, man. It's just, that's about as bad as it gets. And, you know, this time around, they, they won't be able to rely on a, on a Cody Parkey. Uh, Will Lutz has missed only two field goals this year and one of his 53 extra points. He's also in a dome playing at home on AstroTurf. So chances are he's not missing, you know? <laughs> so Eagles, um, if they can, if they can hold this, keep the Saints out of the end zone, that's great, but the Saints are going to convert those three points. And so, um, that's just something to think about as well. All right, let's move on to the divisional games here, at BLG. And um, you know, I think there are, th- I think these are all really interesting games this weekend. Sometimes in the divisional round, you get some severe mismatches, but you know, I don't see a lot of severe mismatches here in this one. Uh, you've got the uh, the Colts going up against the the Kansas City Chiefs in the first game on Saturday. The Dallas Cowboys at the Rams in the second game on Saturday night. The Charters and the Patriots uh, on in the early game on Sunday afternoon. And then, of course, the Eagles and Saints finish it up. The underdogs are the Chiefs, the Rams, uh, the Chargers. I'm, I'm sorry, no, no, got that backwards. The Colts, the Cowboys, the Chargers, and Eagles are all underdogs this weekend. Who do you think has the best chance to win of all the underdogs here? Uh, I hate to say it, but I think it's the Cowboys because I think the Rams are frauds. And mm-hmm. I think – I guess I'll give my Cowboys thing now. My thing with the Cowboys is they're not actually good at all. But they're what they are good at is is making you play down to their level. Like I don't think it's them a good playing point. up to yeah. the level of their competition. Somehow they're good at making their competition play down to the level of them. Like they just they they kind of remind me a little bit. It's, it's not the exact same, but it was kind of like when the the Sixers played the Heat last year in the first round, and the Heat had no chance to beat the Sixers like in a seven game series. Like the Sixers are clearly more talented, but they made it as close as they possibly could by playing like like just kind of like mucking it up and playing like real physical and like dirty. Yeah. Like that's what they had to result or resort to in order to, to kind of try to win. And I feel like that's what the Cowboys are. Like they they do not play a good an objectively good brand of football. They just kind of like muck it up and, and they run the ball and they just check down on game. And, you know, the defense like plays pretty well. It's just, it's not pretty to me. And there's like points of the game where they should easily lose every time. Um, or at least it looks like they can. Like, it's not like they're, they're, they're in control of it the whole game, you know, and they're dominating. It's just, it's not like that. So that's kind of my thing with the Cowboys. And I think the, you look at the matchup between them and the Rams. And again, I just think the Rams are frauds. And I think this whole Sean McVay thing where like somehow, you know, if you are related to him or, or if you know him in any capacity, you once, you once babysat <laughs> his, one of his cousins or something, you get a head coaching job. And, I, and the Cardinals <laughs> right. just being the most pathetic team I've almost I've ever oh, seen. Yeah. Well, first of all, they're pathetic for signing Sam Bradford last year, but they, they raised <laughs> their p- pathetic profile by like gushing about Sean McVay in the, the 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 profile piece about why they hired Cliff Kingsbury, it's just so pathetic. It's like, oh, by the way, our our, our new head coach is friends with quote offensive genius. That's the term they they call it a divisional rival coach, offensive genius. Are you kidding me? And then they even tweeted out today like a statement from Sean McVay about Kingsbury. It's like, oh, you gotta be kidding. Don't me. you guys know you play each other twice a year? Like, what is this? Why are you bowing down to this guy who's a nothing in the NFL as far as I'm concerned in terms of like, he's, he doesn't want a playoff game and he's an offensive genius. Like, come on, give me a break. <laughs> so I just feel like it's so fitting for 
McVeigh to lose this weekend and be 0 and 2 in the playoffs after all this stupid talk about like how he's you know awesome and all all these teams are hiring McVeigh guys like I would just love it it'd be so great. Well, we're going to get to the picks here in just a second, um, and you know let's just jump right into the picks here because um, I think we you know I'll give you my I'll give you my thoughts on that game here in just a second. But for, first, let's start with the first game of the weekend. Let's start with Indianapolis at Kansas City. The Chiefs are favored by five and a half in this one. This, to me, BLG feels like one of those situations where the Colts really played well for uh, in the wild card game against the Ravens last week. The Ravens made it kind of close at the end, but it was the game was never really in doubt. And uh, the Colts come into this game red hot. They've, you know, what of the eleven out of twelve they've won or something like that, or ten out of eleven. Yeah, they started one like and five, so uh, they finished the season what ten and six, and then they yeah, won last so week. I guess it's so ten out of eleven now, yeah. counting last week. So I just think that this is one of those situations where. You got a really hot team who played good on Wild Card Weekend, and everybody's feeling really strong about them going into a divisional game, and then they get their pants beat in uh, in a divisional game. And I don't know that the Chiefs are going to beat their pants in, but I think the Chiefs win this game. I, I think Kansas City five and a half is a big number. I, I think it might be within that number. So if I'm if I'm putting money on this game, I'm probably staying away from this game first of all, but. If I'm putting money on this game, I'm probably taking the Colts to at least, uh, you know, to come under that number. But I think I think Andy Reid wins this football game. Andy Reid does tend to choke in the playoffs, but it usually doesn't happen until the next round. Yeah, he he's not bad at winning these divisional games. You give Andy Reid an extra week to prepare, um, and uh, you know you get a fully rested team. I think the Chiefs are a a more talented team than the Colts, and they're playing at home. You get the bye. That's still a huge advantage. I'm going to take Kansas City in this game. And I don't, I don't think it's necessarily going to be all that nip and tuck, to be honest with you. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people are on the Colts right now, like almost more than they are on the Chiefs, which is kind of crazy. Um, I know like Frank Reich's doing a great job. The Colts are legitimately good. But I just feel like you know, the, the Chiefs at home and Patrick Mahomes, like I'm going to bet on Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. he's, he's great. Yeah. And I agree with you. I know like Andy has his issues in the playoffs. And speaking of issues um, – the Chiefs have have lost six home playoff games in a row. <laughs> That's terrible. Is that right? Yeah. Are you serious? Yes, that is so bad. Wow. I can't. I, I remember like looking or discovering that when it happened last season when they choked against the Titans. And by the way, Andrew Reid is now the first and only head coach to lose two postseason games in which he led at least by seventeen points. <laughs> Um, I guess we should say Andy Reid's defensive coordinators are the only coaches to. I mean, because Andy doesn't have anything to do with the defense in those right. situations. I'm not defending Andy. I, I like Andy, but I'm not an Andy. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not an Andy Stan. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when you lose games like that, that's on the defense. And well, I don't know that Reid has a whole lot to do with. And their that. defense is actually better at home, and that's something Phil yeah, Ligon was talking about on the um, his his appearance on the podcast this week. So I just think that's a reason why the Chiefs are going to win. Um, I can see the Colts covering. I mean, what? It's, it's plus. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think so, too. I can see them cover, but I'm just going to take the, the Chiefs, and I, I will take them to cover. I, I think All the Colts right. can. I'm just saying I think the Chiefs will win. So if I'm going to take them to win, I'm just going to – I might as well just push it to the point where I think they cover, too. All right. We'll go to Dallas at the Rams, and I'll, I'll jump in because you said a lot on the Rams and yeah. the Dallas Cowboys. I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of chime in with my two cents here. I think that it's a very popular pick to take the Cowboys in this game, mm. and I agree with you. I think they do make people play down to their level because their defense forces it. Their defense is very, very, very good. I, I watch their linebackers play, and I wonder, should the Eagles be investing more in the linebacker position? Because <laughs> you see in some defenses how valuable having athletic linebackers can be. And I, I just watch the Cowboys play on defense, and... Everybody who wants who, who wants the Eagles to play the Cowboys in an NFC Championship game better think about it because the Cowboys defense is really damn good. But I think that I also believe, and I know that the Rams lost Cooper Cup and that uh, that has affected their offense. Jared Goff, if he's under pressure, definitely struggles. We saw the Eagles go into Los Angeles and take care of the Rams, and I agree 100% with you that Sean McVay is an overrated head coach. And the, the celebration, uh, the deification of uh, of Sean McVay has gone overboard ridiculous. in the NFL. It it is. It's flat. It's patently ridiculous. But I think I think people might be riding the Cowboys a little bit too much here. And I think again, I think this is a. I think this Rams team is is pretty good. I, I think this Rams team is better than they've played the last few weeks. Um, I think seven's a big line. I'm definitely take if I'm if I'm 
betting it with the spread, I'm definitely taking the Cowboys here because I think this is a closer game. But I think this, I think the Rams win this game. I don't think Dallas pulls the upset off here. I think the Rams, I think the Rams win this game in Los Angeles. It's not much of a home field advantage, but yeah. again, I think the first round bye plays a big role, and I, I think people are sleeping on the Rams a little bit too. So I'm going to take LA. I feel like I will be happy no matter what happens. That's I'm really looking forward to this game on Saturday night. I know it's almost a lose lose in the sense of McVay or the Cowboys are going to the championship game, but to me, it's a win win because I get to write about either the Cowboys losing on Saturday night or I get to go in on McVeigh, the fraud himself. Oh man, I just I, I can't I was thinking about it the other night and that's another angle to this game for me. Um in the last two years, Doug Peterson is what, three and against the coaches of the year? Yeah, uh, yeah. I think or at least he will be depending if, if Nagy wins it this or it really doesn't matter who wins it this year, as long as it's Nagy or even Anthony Lynn, because the Doug beat him last year. Or uh, or Frank Reich, who probably should get it, gets it. Right. So right. I would just love for for so first of all, he's already three and zero. So in a way, I would almost love for the Saints to or the Rams to move on and the Eagles to play them, just because Doug gets another chance to potentially beat McVeigh. I would love that. Um, so either way, I'll kind of be good with what happens in this game. Uh, should be able to make fun of somebody, so that's always good. But I, I, I will take. <laughs> that's right. You got to take the Cowboys with the points. I just think you have to. Yeah, you know, big line. That's the, yeah. the the easy pick. All right, Chargers at Patriots, BLG, the New England Patriots, who nobody is talking about, <laughs> flying under the radar this year. Total as always. I mean, it's just oh ho hum, another first round bye for New England, but they're favored by four points against the Chargers. We all know the Chargers' playoff history, BLG. How do you see this one shaking out? Oh, well, I thought they were going to lose last week, and they didn't. So maybe uh, I'm sleeping on them too much. The thing to me about this game, first of all, first of all, is the Patriots are crazy good at home, especially just in general, especially in the playoffs. Yeah. So kind of tough for me to bet against them. Um, I was hearing talk of like snow, right, for this game. Yeah, it's at, gonna it's gonna be snowy. Yeah, uh, is it though? I'm looking at the the Foxborough, Massachusetts five day weather forecast, and I do not see snow. I see zero oh, percent chance okay. of precipitation. So I don't know if people are lying to me, but I feel like if it does snow, I feel like the Chargers especially have no chance at that point. Um, but I just I don't see how I can pick against Brady and Belichick at home. They win so much there at home in Foxborough at Gillette Stadium that. It's tough for me to bet against them. I know the Chargers are an upstart team. I like the Chargers a lot, but I just don't think I have faith that they're just going to go into New England and beat the Patriots. That sound you hear, BLG, is me ringing. Oh wow! Let's hear it. Uh, I'm I'm going to take the Chargers, I, and I, I like. I think I think it's time for the New England Patriots to die. <laughs> I, I do. I, That's I, when they I think win. It's time. Don. That's when they always win. When you think they're dead. I know. I know. But here's the deal. I, I think San Diego has been. They've had this. Gosh, I'm, you know what? No, it's San Diego. From now on, forever. Just, I'm never going to be able to get be, it out of honestly. my head that they're not the San Diego Chargers. I'm just, it's, it's useless for me. Los Angeles. Yes, you're right. It's uh, I, just for whatever reason, the Chargers organization they have been cursed forever. Philip Rivers has been cursed forever. But you know what? I don't have any good reason for picking the Chargers. Here. <laughs> I have nothing to back it up. It's one of the best. I'm still taking the to, to do. Yeah. It, yeah. I feel like it. You know what I mean? That's <laughs> that's where I'm going with this. I feel like taking the Chargers because I want it to happen. I think Phillip Rivers plays a good game, uh, and I think um, you know I think they find a way to to make it happen. So I'm just gonna take the Chargers because I feel like it. All right, that's fair yeah, enough. You know, sometimes you don't have to have a good reason. All right, BLG prediction time. Uh, we got this huge Eagles Saints matchup, divisional playoff game, 4:40. On Sunday afternoon, last game of the weekend again, which annoys me. I'd rather get this game out of the way on Saturday, but we got to wait till the last game of the weekend. And um, again, this is the biggest line of the week. Uh, the Saints favored by eight points against the Eagles at home. Um, I don't usually like for me to start off, so I'll, I'll kick it off here. And um, I think with the with this game, you, you're listening to your heart in your head. You know, your your heart is telling you pick the Eagles. How can you pick against the Eagles? You picked against the Eagles to lose to the Rams. You picked against the Eagles. I don't even remember if I picked them to beat the Texans or not. I think I might have, but they certainly were not favored um, to beat. Were they favored to beat the Texans? Um, I don't remember. It was really. It was almost like a pick them. I think it was like one point yeah. either way. Right. So it was a very unlikely. You know, it was unlikely that the, that they were going to win that game, and and 
you know, the, what they've done here over these last few weeks, they certainly were not favored to beat the Bears in Chicago last week. <sighs> Your head tells you something else, you know? Your head tells you that this is this is a matchup that it seems like the Saints have an edge at everywhere. They have they have the edge uh, along the lines in, in a lot of places. They they have the edge in the skill positions, no doubt about it. Um, and you look at the you look at coaching. Doug Peterson, I think right now has probably established himself as maybe, if not Sean Payton's equal, then maybe slightly ahead of Sean Payton. But Sean Payton's a damn good head coach, and you give him an extra week to prepare like this, he's going to come up with some good stuff. And you know, a lot of it is all based on the quarterback. And as good as Nick Bowles is playing, Drew Brees is Drew Brees. Drew Brees is really special. Um. I'm going to take the Eagles. I, 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 I want to take – my head's telling me to take the Saints, but I'm going to take the Eagles. I, I think I think it, let's let it ride. Let's ride it. Let's, let's let this puppy ride another week. I think – here's what I'll say. I think if they beat the Saints, they're going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think they're beating the Rams or the Cowboys. For sure. In the NFC Championship game. So if the Eagles can get by the Saints here, they're going to the Super Bowl. I'll take the Eagles. Let's call it. 31 to 27, BLG. Oh, boy. Here we go. Um, I'm just going to say it. The Eagles are going to beat the Saints. It's going to happen. There we go. It's going to happen. I, I, Beautiful. This isn't me like going through the week and feeling it this way. I knew this as soon as the Eagles beat the Bears. Or maybe, and maybe even before that because I felt like they were going to beat the Bears. I just – why – I said at the top of the show, John, why are you going to bet against this team? How can you? How can you do yeah. it? Because every time the odds are stacked against them, they find a way to win. And you know why? Because they're a damn good football team. You can talk about, you know, we can talk about Doug Peterson and Nick Foles and like individual players. It's more than that. This is a team. Like as cliche as that is, it is a freaking good team that is yeah. really good of capable of playing really good football and you can never count them out. The leadership on this team is incredible. The talent is there. They're just they're playing so well right now. I just I believe in them. And it's not even in a way where I feel like in the past I've just talked myself into believing in them, kind of being a little bit maybe too much of a homer. I don't even feel like that. It's just kind of like a calm objective almost like I just think they're the better team overall. And or maybe not even the better team is the right way to put it because on paper, I think the Saints are the better team. But I just think I just trust this Eagles team to deliver. And like I said, they've earned the trust, they've BLJ. The trust. They have. They've and it's it. not about the opponent. Just like I've said before, it's not even about the team they're facing. And that's what it was for me last year in the Super Bowl with the Patriots. It wasn't about Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. The Eagles didn't have to worry about that. They just had to play their game and they can win. And I just, I, I still believe in that. I think they can play their game as long as they're aggressive and they don't turn up like they did at other times, you know, this season previously. I think. They have this game. I think they can do it. And I think it's going to be tough as hell, by the way. I don't think it's going to be easy, yeah. but I think they can do it. And last week, Cody Parkey, I kind of put the hex on him, obviously, with my prediction. <laughs> this week, I will give you the X factor, why the Eagles are going to win this game. So oh, hopefully we can clip me. this and post it on Twitter once again. Taysom Hill. The Saints are going to get him involved more often than they should. This has been a moment that's been just waiting to happen. You know, Sean Payton gets a little bit too creative with him at times, I think. Uh, this happened in the Eagles game, the Eagles Saints game. Yeah. They were having him yeah. throw the ball at points. It's like, what are you doing? Like, I know. And this is, by the way, too, like before the game totally got out of control. It wasn't like it got out of control and then they were using Taysom Hill. Like they were using him early on in that game. And it's like, why? <laughs> Anytime you don't pass the ball with Drew Brees, you're giving the Eagles a gift. So I feel like. The Eagles are going to do that, or the Saints are going to do that at some point. Taysom Hill is going to have some kind of turnover, whether it's him throwing an interception or a fumble, something. I just feel like he's going to make a big mistake. Sean Payton is going to outsmart himself. It's going to cost the Saints. The Eagles are going to win this game in a wild game. I, I gave a prediction to Canal Street Chronicles that I think was like 33 to 30 Eagles, and I immediately didn't like that. I think this game is going to be even crazier than that. I'm going to say like <laughs> – like, <clears throat> oh man <laughs> come on clear your throat for it buddy I, yeah do I'm, it i'm going like super high i'm thinking like 55 to like 53 like i think it's gonna be crazy or 50 uh, yeah i think it's gonna be nuts like that's i am i just think it's gonna be a crazy shootout game it's gonna be totally wild it's gonna be awesome it's gonna be insane and the eagles are gonna win 
They're going to be headed to NFC Championship game. Probably play the Cowboys. Oh, gosh. I can't. I don't. I don't know if my heart can take a week of NFC Championship Dallas Cowboys week, man. I, I uh, I'm gonna have, tweet deck's gonna be something else. <laughs> that would be awesome though, and uh, we will be here for it, of course. Uh, when, not if, when the Eagles beat the Saints this weekend, we will be here for it uh, all next week, and uh, we'll be wrapping up the Saints game, and we'll be previewing the next game, the NFC Championship, which we are sure is going to happen because the Eagles are going to beat the Saints this weekend in the Superdome. They're going to become the first team since the Philadelphia Eagles to beat the New Orleans Saints in the Superdome in the playoffs. And uh, folks, again, if you wouldn't mind, please heading on over to Apple Podcasts, those ratings and those reviews, please keep them coming. We want to stay in that top 30 of sports and recreation on Apple Podcasts, and that does help other Eagles Eagles fans find this fine podcast. Tell your friends about Bleeding Green Nation. Catch all the Kissed and Solak show preview episodes, and uh, make sure that uh, you get yourselves ready for a Sunday afternoon, 440, for Eagles Saints in the divisional round of the playoffs. And that'll do it for this edition of BGN Radio, episode number 31. Again, make sure to follow Brandon on Twitter, at Brandon Gotten. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolness. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. Win. That doesn't make sense. Hey guys, this is John Stolness from The Good Fight and the Phillies podcast, Hitting Season. Man, the 2018 season was, well, it was interesting anyway, and the upcoming offseason looks to be even more interesting. So if you want to stay up to date on all things Phillies this offseason, subscribe to The Good Fight podcast feed and get my podcast, Hitting Season, where I talk to Phillies beat writers, broadcasters, and fellow Good Fight bloggers, as well as national baseball writers, and the occasional interview with Matt Klintak and Gabe Kapler. Also, you'll get continued success, a Phil's podcast hosted by Justin Clue and Liz Rocher covering all things Phillies, and The Dirty Inning, a hilarious podcast hosted by Justin and Trevor Strunk, looking at the very worst innings in Phillies history. And you'll get bonus podcasts every time big news is made with the team. Seriously, if you want to stay up to date on everything revolving around your favorite baseball team as they return to contention, make sure you are subscribed to the Good Fight podcast feed.